Well, you know, as I was uh, thinking about this message and, and the Lord really uh, put on my heart this idea of, uh, from the book of Micah. Um, and I've been thinking about this whole issue of soul care and even uh, the heart that Pastor Albert has for his church plant to see people really be set free in their lives from the sins of the past, from the patterns of things that have happened in their families for generations. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've come to know Jesus Christ, He's going to give you the spiritual authority and the power to break the patterns of sin that have been in your past and in your families for generation after generation after generation. And so uh, in, at the end of August, I gave a message called uh, Family Lies, Altars, and Idols. And we looked at the book of Gideon, we looked, I mean, uh, the book of Judges and the life of Gideon, and we saw that Gideon was full of fear. And it was passed on to him in generations. The whole country was full of fear. And so God wanted to break him of that fear and that anxiety in his life. And he was able to do it as Gideon sought the Lord and as he repented of things and as he brought, came into the God's manifest presence, there was things that changed in his life. And he became a deliverer for Israel. I mean, he was a scared man and then all of a sudden the change happened in his life. And so I'm thinking about <clears throat> this other area that I think is, is also an issue that trips people up. And that's the area of unforgiveness, of bitterness, that splits families apart. It splits marriages apart. It has an effect. It works its way. Uh, resentment and unforgiveness work its way right into the fabric of a church. Have you ever been in a church split? It's the most, it's, it's got to be some of the most harmful things that are said and done as people bring the stuff from their family into the church, and then they resolve conflict the same way they've resolved it in their church, in their family for generation after generation after generation. And that happens. That happens in people's lives. And that's why some people get surprised when they say, I can't believe that happened in church. I can't believe that person said that. He's supposed to be a Christian. And yet they're acting out of the hurt and the wounds from the past that have never been resolved. And they're dealing with conflict the same way that they dealt with it in their family. So today I want to share with you just that I believe that God wants to change things in our lives. I found that when you recognize some of the unhealthy and sinful patterns in your own life, you can begin to address them through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. But a lot of times we're blinded to them. You know why? Because this is the way we've grown up. And unless we get a biblical view and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to change how we resolve conflict, we continue to repeat the pattern even though we've had an experience with Jesus Christ. But the overlay of our sinful patterns keeps on controlling and influencing the relationships that we have. 
and how we deal with conflict. So let me give you a little bit of history about my family. I, I just, uh, I had to deal, I had to deal, when I became a Christian, I had to deal with a lot of baggage in my own family. And one of the ways my family resolved conflict was I remember, I, I remember even as a, an eight, nine, ten-year-old, we would have these family gatherings. And then we'd, everybody would come over to our house, and uh, less seldom would my father's family come over to our house. But when they did, there wasn't the same sense of uh, kind of unity and everybody being happy to be, see each other. There was this... Uh, these walls that were there. And when I was eight or ten years old, all of a sudden I stopped seeing some of my cousins. Like, I didn't see them anymore. I'd see them at a wedding or a funeral, but even then I noticed that the parents, they weren't talking to each other. And here I am, I'm only like ten years old, but I know there's something up in my family that people don't like other people people in the family. And so this past month, I called up my mom as I was kind of doing some research and how I deal with conflict. I said, hey, mom, do you remember uh, Uncle, uh, Uncle John? How, how, come, how come he stopped coming around? And she goes, oh, Uncle John, yeah. Your Uncle John, well, his wife despised your dad's family, didn't like any of the brothers. And so he stopped coming. She didn't like him, so they, st they just broke off communication. And then, then I said, what about this other uncle? And then she would tell some other story. And then what, it, what I saw was this pattern where people would just cut off relationships. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. And they avoided relationships. I don't know if that ever happens to you in your family, but have you ever heard uh, somebody say to you, hey, you know, you, you're just, you know, or in anger say to you, you're just like your father, or you're just like your mother, and it's not a good thing. You know what they're saying? They're saying you're acting in the same pattern, in the same way, as you grew up in. And it's not a compliment. So in my family, what I found out is that I grew up in a family where my parents, they would have an argument, they'd yell at each other, and then all of a sudden my dad would leave and go to the local tavern, and I wouldn't see him for a couple hours. Then my mom would cool off, and she'd come home, but they wouldn't talk to each other for a couple days. And then things started to get back to normal. And so I saw there's this pattern. When there's a conflict, shut down, don't talk, stay angry, avoid the person, run away, but that's not biblical. So when I got married, I had to deal with conflicts you know, in marriage, you have conflicts. How are you going to deal with them? And for my wife and I, we had to work through these things. You can't just cut off, run away, you know, because I'm a pastor, you know, you just can't do that. Not supposed to, although sometimes we do do that. 
because we don't deal with the sins of our past. But I was just thinking, of all these things in my life, what if I had never met Jesus? What would have been the pattern in my family? Because you see, with my brothers, so I had this relationship with my brothers, we all kind of despised each other. I mean, we get, we get along, but if we had a fight, it was an all-out fight. And I had, I was, uh, my, I had my older brother, then I was the second born, and then there was uh, my younger brother, and then one more brother. We had no sisters. Thank God, Lord. <laughs> probably, we would have probably uh, had a bad effect on her. So what happened is that we, um, so my brothers and I, we would not, did not get along well. In fact, my brother, my oldest brother and I, we hardly talked with each other. Why? Because there was a pattern that we were following. And then my brother came to know Jesus in college, and it you know, transformed his life. And you know what he did? One of the, one of the fruits of his transformation, he reached out to me. My brother would never talk to me. He would never say, hey, Al, you want to hang out? We were four years apart, but we just did not do that. It just wasn't, you know, we hung out with our friends, and he had his friends, I had my friends, but we never did anything together. And one day he said, hey, Al, why don't you come to college? Why don't you come to visit me at college and listen to the concert? And that's where I received the Lord. My brother worked through the resentment and the walls and reached out to me, and that was the very thing that brought me to Christ. And it changed my life. But what if Mike would have never done that? What if I would have never come to know Christ? I think we would have lived a life pretty much separated, just like the generation before me. But I'll tell you, it hasn't been easy. We've had to work on this. Because my default pattern is to avoid confrontation, to withdraw, to not talk, and not speak about things, even though they may be bothering me. So I wonder what the pattern is in your family. Have you ever thought about it? And if there's a negative pattern there, if there's a pattern where you have relationships where you've cut them off or they've been cut off in your family, where one sibling doesn't talk to another sibling or one uncle doesn't talk to another uncle or things have been broken down and there's been walls there, it could be a good indicator that there's a sinful pattern of relationships and unforgiveness within your family of origin or even generations back. And so what does God want us to do about that? He wants us to understand what's going on and then he wants us to take the next steps towards forgiveness and discovering forgiveness. Oh, this is not on, okay. Let's see. And I believe this, your Heavenly Father will teach you how to pray and break with unhealthy family patterns. You can choose to forgive. You can take biblical steps to initiate effective apologies, rebuild trust where it has been broken, and resolve conflicts. God's purpose and plan for you is to understand your spiritual authority as a believer. And you can begin to initiate bridges in relationships that have been broken down before, you can repair those. You think about 
the hurricane that went through Texas and through Florida, destroyed ro roads, broke down bridges, broke down houses. They're doing a rebuilding. You know, there's sometimes there's hurricanes of conflict for generations that have happened in our families. And then we come to know Christ. And what God wants us to do is join him in rebuilding relationships. And he wants to use you. And I believe Micah was living in a time when there was a, a breakdown in families. There was a breakdown in the nation. There were people that you couldn't trust anybody anymore. There was, you know, there was injustice happening to the poor. And the breakdown continued to happen and it affected people's relationships, even within their family. Has anybody ever said to you, you know, or you've ever had a problem with somebody and they say, you know, I had a, I had a conflict with somebody. Oh, that's just the way Joe is. Joe, that's, that's Joe's personality. He's always like that. And Joe is, you know, Joe's offended me. Joe's offended Sue. That's just Joe. You know, Joe's got a problem. Joe's got a problem. And sometimes we're Joe. And we've got a problem. And God wants us to bring that to him and he wants to teach us how to be set free from some of the patterns and the ways that we relate. You know, the other thing that I do when I'm in conflict, especially with my wife, she'll tell you, she'll, I'm, I'm defensive. I can make, I can tell you why I did something wrong and give you a reason for why I did it. You know, it's, it's probably the way that my brother and I probably didn't get along too well because I would never admit I was wrong. But you know, I'm seeing that God, <laughs> he knows we're sinners. It's better to come out in the light and say, hey, you know, I was wrong and offer a, an apology that matches the sin that I committed with somebody and restore the relationship rather than to brush it off or be defensive. So this is what uh, was happening. And that's why I think Micah says, misery is mine. I'm overwhelmed with sorrow. I'm sunk in a swamp of despair. Do you know when relational conflicts happen, it will suck you down into a pit. It'll, it'll destroy your hope. It'll have an effect on how you view God and how you view other people. For Micah, this was probably the lowest part of his ministry because he was seeing that even though there was revival happening in some way in the King Hezekiah's life, the country was still going back to the old ways of worshiping idols and being stuck in their own ways. And it had an effect on the relationship within families. And this is what it did. There was a brokenness of trust. Do not trust a neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend. Do you know that we're living in a generation where people 
don't even know the name of their neighbor across the street or next to them? Think about it. Do you know your neighbor's names? Think about it. Well, no, I don't. I just keep to myself, and I don't want to bother them. No, 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 no. No, you're the light of the world. You're the city that's supposed to be set on the hill. God calls us to be in relationship with our neighbors. But you don't understand. We can't trust anybody. They might take advantage of me. Do you know that God is bigger than anybody else? I want to tell you that God took care of me 14 years in the inner city of Newark. I had neighbors that tried, I didn't know who broke in, but broke in 13 times in the first 13 months, three months I was there. They broke into my house. I was never harmed. No, they took some stuff. But I want to tell you, some of my deepest friendships came with friends and neighbors. As we got to know each other, we banded together as a neighborhood and we helped each other. But what I'm seeing within our community is we're, we don't talk to anybody. Our eyes don't meet. I go to Costco and I'm just like on my own little, you know, I got to get this. I got to get, and everybody else is doing that. Nobody looks at each other. There was a day, there was a day in a community when you would say, hey, hi. Now if you say, hey, hi, what are you, what are you after? What are you selling? What do you, what do you want to take advantage of? Me? Do not trust. And then it's affected even relationships. Even with a woman who lies in your embrace, guard the words of your lips. Even in the most intimate relationships, husbands and wives, there's no trust there. It's been broken down. A son dishonors his father. A daughter rises up against her mother. A daughter-in-law against a mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the members of his own household. What happened? What happened? Unforgiveness. Resentment. Sin, offending, either with words or actions, and it's never been resolved. And so people build up these walls, and they hide behind these walls, and there's a broken relationship. But that's not how it's supposed to be with a believer in Jesus Christ. He came to bring us freedom. And so if you see some of those patterns in your life or in your family, it means that you have to do some homework. You have, to, you have to think back because these things don't change unless they're really pulled out by the roots. They don't change unless they're pulled out by the roots. Lori and I started this herbal garden, and so um, it's not very big. It's like three planters, you know. Got some basil, we got some, you know, I don't know what else we have. I just like the basil. <laughs> but um, uh, I think it was cilantro. Yeah, cilantro. That died. But anyway, so I'm going by the basil plant, and all of a sudden I see that there is 
This thorn, you know, these long thorns, they're in Long Island, they're all over Long Island. They're the thorns that reach out for about six feet and wrap around your plants or whatever, or your flowers or anything. I have a lot of those in my, uh, in my yard. And so I saw one, it was reaching out, it was wrapping around my basil. You're touching my basil. You know, so I'm upset, and so I reach for it, and ow, I didn't realize the thing had thorns. I mean, I couldn't see them. It was, and so I tried to grab it. I couldn't grab it. You know what I did? I followed that thorn all the way back about four feet to where it was growing out of, my, out of the bushes of my hedge. And I saw it, and I, I reached down, and I could see right where the root started. And I, I, I grabbed the root, and I just pulled it out. I tried to pull it out by the thorn. I, it, it didn't work. You know, I had to get it by the root. And, you know, some of these things, sometimes you have to follow back in your story, in your family, to where things went wrong in your relationship. And then you have to address that. And you have to ask the Holy Spirit to help you because building relationships and rebuilding trust is very difficult unless the Holy Spirit is in it, unless the Holy Spirit gives you a heart of compassion and love and forgiveness. And so God wants to do that in our lives. He wants to pull things out by the root. And only he can, he's, he's the only one that can do that. But if we cooperate with him, he will help us to do that. And that's why I think in the New, New Testament church, in, in uh, the, the church in Ephesus, there was people that were coming from all sorts of different type of families, all sorts of <laughs> patterns of, you know, these people were first-generation Christians. They had never experienced biblical forgiveness, love, mercy. And so it was brand new to them, and that's why the Apostle Paul is talking to them and he's saying, uh, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Because this is something that is so important for your spiritual health. If your family and if your church is so disjointed and people are attacking one another, blaming one another, gossiping and slandering and being suspicious of one another. What is going to happen to the church? It's going to break apart. People are going to start to build walls. They're going to say, I'm not going to share with you. I love Pastor Albert's vision for the church. There's no shame. We can confess our sins. We can stand by each other and help each other. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. You know that verse, but you know what? When my brother Mike and I, and he's going to be preaching here next month. When my brother Mike and I restored our relationship, we began <laughs> this close relationship and the devil lost the foothold in our relationship with each other. And now he's been one of my greatest supporters, one of my, 
my, one of my greatest resources I go to when I'm struggling. And he does that with me too. But you know, Satan's plan, what was his plan? His plan was to divide us and then to cause us to act in anger towards one another. And you know, this can happen in a youth group. It can happen in a church. It can happen in a family that you become angry at somebody, withdraw from the relationship, and then label that person or that leader. And you know what you're doing? You're giving the devil a foothold into your life. And what that means, you're giving him a place to occupy your life and keep you from the blessing that God wants to give you. Because God could actually use that person that you're angry at in your life in a tremendous and powerful way. And you've just cut it off. You've cut off the grace of God in that relationship. And God wants to do a miracle. He wants to do a miracle in marriages, in families, between fathers and sons and daughters and children and their parents. He wants to bring healing and restoration. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't grieve the Spirit of God with whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, age, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in God, Christ God forgave you. The standard is, if God would accept you with all your sin, shame, all the secrets... And he's forgiven you all your sin. Can you forgive somebody else? Micah didn't stop there in his misery. You know what he said? But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. He cultivated this intimate relationship with his God with his heavenly father. And his heavenly father gave him hope, wisdom, direction to see that he was not finished with Micah or his family or his nation. And that's what we need to do. We're not to live in despair. We're not to live in misery. God wants restoration in our lives. And he can do that in our lives. Micah 6.8 was, he wrote this because I believe he lived it. He acted justly. He loved mercy. And he walked humbly with his God. So if you want to walk, if you choose to walk in forgiveness, you're going to choose a walk of humbly depending upon God to show you and give you wisdom how to be an agent of reconciliation and forgiveness with other people and to break free from family patterns that have been in your life for so long, for generations. God could break that. So Micah, in the end of this chapter, in chapter seven, at the end of his prophecy, he just proclaims, Who's, who is God? Who's a God like you? Who pardons sin, who forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his, you are forgiving God. You don't stay angry. You love mercy. 
And Lord, you want me to understand that and walk in mercy too. And unless we have that revelation and understanding, we'll live in the bondage of unforgiveness and resentment. So let me quickly go through some next steps for you in forgiveness. If you want to walk in forgiveness, you've got to take a step. You've got to take a first step, then a next step, and then a next step, and another next step. It's walking with the Lord in forgiveness, choosing that. So I want to tell you one thing is, know and research the sinful patterns of your family. Talk about it. Talk about it with your siblings. And why is it that we couldn't communicate with dad? Why is it that we had this wall here? Do you know why? Did you have that wall with him? I had it. Do you know a lot of times people have a distant relationship with their father and they pattern it again with their own children. And they have a distant relationship. And if, if, if that's the pattern that's in your family, you need to break that pattern because your kids need you involved in their lives. And if God has done that, rejoice in that because you're breaking a family pattern that has been in there for generations. Research the patterns of your family, the sinful patterns of your family too. Examine your relationships and life. Are there similar unhealthy relational patterns? Like, is anything been passed on to me from a previous generation or from my family of origin and how I relate to other people, how I relate to my siblings. What's happening there? Is there something unhealthy and sinful that doesn't match up with the gospel? Am I seeing repeated in my family exactly what happened in the generation before? Think about that. Sometimes that is happening. If there's been divorce, there's a temptation for divorce in your next family. If there's been separation, and next week we're going to talk about grief and loss. How we deal with grief and loss. What's the family pattern for dealing with grief and loss? And how does that affect us? Examine your relationships. Choose to walk in forgiveness and love mercy, confess sin, and apologize appropriately. Do you know what happens when we apologize? And this is why apology doesn't work often. There's been, and I heard, uh, I'm, I'm giving credit as to Dr. Rob Reamer, because when I went to the Soul Care Conference, they were talking about this. But he said, somebody gives you, throws a gallon of offense or you throw a gallon of offense on somebody, you really offended somebody, and they really got hurt. You don't know how hurt they got, but it really hurt them. And then you go up to apologize to them, and you say, oh, sorry about that. My bad. Didn't mean to hurt you, but you know I was having a bad day. You're offering a cup of apology for a gallon of offense. You're offering a little apology for a gallon of offense and you don't even realize it and then you wonder why the person doesn't accept your apology. And then you blame them. You throw another gallon of offense on them. 
you are such a jerk. I mean, I can't believe you're still bothered by that. I thought we talked about that last week and you're still bringing it up. Why is that? Because you offered a cup of apology for a gallon of offense. Think about it. Sometimes we're not even aware. And, you know, sometimes for us that have been offended, we need to put into words what really how we felt when the person did that to us. So they can understand the feeling that we went through when they sinned against us. And then if you don't get it, if you don't understand, sometimes we have to work through these things with other people, with, with uh, people that you can trust. Say, why am I keep on getting stuck in this area of my life? Sometimes we need, to, we need help with that. But to live in the same way, repeating the same things, going over the same arguments for years, and the same feelings over and over again, and never breaking through, that is not God's will. Overcome evil with good. Bless others. Do not curse or make rash vows. So when the offense happens, what you can do, even at work, I know many of you, you go to work, and there are people that are just not nice. What do you got to do? I, 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 when I was working in the world, I would pray for people. Lord, bless them. Even though they may curse me, Lord, you bless them. Give me a heart of compassion for them. Sometimes I avoided them because that's my, my nature to avoid, but it's better than getting beat up all the time. But, you know, sometimes you have to avoid, sometimes you have to confront. But God doesn't want us to carry around anger or to make a vow and say, I'm never going to talk to that person again. Because God wants you to be a reconciler, a healer. Recognize you're in a spiritual battle for your life and the life of others. This is serious stuff. You let unforgiveness fester and grow in your family, it will destroy your family, just like it destroyed the nation of Israel. Rejoice in hope that God can restore you and your relationships by walking in forgiveness. Rejoice in that. Walk in hope. Live in hope that God can do a work that only he can do through the power of the gospel, through the power of the Holy Spirit. God can change our lives. So I want to encourage you with that. Um, let, me, let me close in prayer for us now. Father, we come before you right now. Lord, this teaching on forgiveness is not simple to live out because there's such hurt and wounds that we carry about. And then even to forgive and to reconcile with somebody, it takes two parties being willing to come together at the cross. But Lord, I pray that you would give wisdom and set people free from harboring resentment, grudges, 
building walls up. Lord, give us a heart like Micah had, even though he was struggling in a society where things were, people didn't trust anybody anymore. But Lord, you made him an instrument of peace. We've been praying, Lord, that you'll make us an instrument holy and useful for your purposes. Lord, make us an instrument of forgiveness. Make us an instrument of love and mercy. Make us an instrument that, that walks justly, that loves mercy, that walks humbly with you. We pray this in Jesus' name.